0: I'm going to take this off so you can hear me. Happy Groundhog Day. In case you didn't hear, we're in for six more weeks of winter. Um, Before I get started, would you all pray with me? Father, thank you for today. Thank you for providing a place a public place where we can gather and worship you. Thank you for this opportunity that you have provided for me to speak to the people of CCF. I just ask that you would give me the words uh, and that you would just allow me to speak your love to those gathered here tonight. We love you and we pray all of this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. If you don't know, my name is Sarah Jensen, and it is a longstanding tradition um, to show a picture of your family if it's your first time speaking at CCF. So I will start off with my husband, Noah. (laughs) You guys, most of you, don't know him except for with long hair. But it used to be that every few months his hair was different. Noah is the love of my life. He shows me Christ's love each and every day, and I am so incredibly blessed to be his wife. Um, and then this is going to be the rest of my family on the next slide. Uh-huh. Um, I am the fifth of 12 kids, so there are four older than me and seven younger than me. Um, on the far left is Jenny, my mom, and then on the far right is Joe, my dad. And then for siblings, it goes um, top left to top right is Esther, Josiah, Micah, Mariah, Andy and me. And then bottom row is Maggie, Corey, Noel, Judah, Gracie, and Lydia. There's a lot <laughs> um, And then I also have a slide with my nieces and nephews. Um, We got Logan, Aaliyah, who's also back there, Um, baby Evelyn, Aaron, and Santiago, and two unknown on the way. But here's what you need to know. I love my family, and I am so biased but I think that I have the best parents and the best siblings and the best nibblings, nieces and nephews, and the best husband in the whole world. And I wouldn't trade any of them for anything. And I honestly don't know where I would be without each and every one of them. But if I went into detail about my relationship with each one and what God has done through it, we would be here for days. And we don't have time for that. Um, so... What I wanted to share tonight um, will mostly be about my relationship with my brother, Andy. Um, Just because my relationship with him is foundational to who I am as a person. Okay. Let me see. When I was a kid, I didn't think the way that I do today. I remember a time when I would frequently shout at the top of my lungs that nobody loved me. But back then, I was the little sister. The, you know the one. The sibling that would come and try to play with you no matter what you were doing. The one who would wreck your Legos because she didn't know any better. Or maybe she did. The annoying little sister that made you look bad in front of your friends. The one who was always told that I could go next time. And for my whole childhood, I was grouped in with the little girls. Ugh. I just wanted to be big too. But as I grew, so did my siblings. Funny how that works. So, I was somehow always too little to do whatever it was that they were doing. It felt like they were always telling me no. No, I was too little. No, I wouldn't understand the game. No, I would just slow them down on their bike ride, and they would frequently tell me to stop talking like a baby when I would get upset about it. But I didn't know that I was being annoying. I also didn't understand what a speech impediment was, and neither did they. So to me, it seemed like my siblings didn't like me, and that they were just making fun of the way that I talked. Needless to say, I realized very early on in life that life's not fair. I became increasingly angry that nothing ever seemed to go my way, and when I looked around, it always seemed like Andy was the one to blame. Only the face I remember was this one. (laughs) And you laugh, but he would pick on me every single day. You think I'm exaggerating? but my mom actually couldn't leave us alone together. He would tell me that I was adopted, that I wasn't part of my family. He would pull my hair and hold me down and tickle me. He would chase me outside into the snow and then lock all the doors. He knew just what to say to make me angry or sad. His was the frequent voice that convinced my other siblings that I would mess up their plans. He was a bully that I lived with, and I hated him. It seemed like he was born to be my own personal tormentor. Now, don't get me wrong. We both had arguments and fights with other siblings, too. But our feud was seemingly constant. I used to be a frequent sleepwalker and sleep talker. And it even got to the point where I would sleepwalk into my parents' bedroom late at night, and I would tattletale on Andy for something he was doing to me in my dreams. So to be clear, back then, there wasn't a lot of love from me toward my siblings, or vice versa. Instead, what was vented daily was anger. It took very little to make me screaming at the top of my lungs angry. And that's how I lived. My saving grace was my parents. My dad, Joe Belzer, was the head campus minister here at CCF for most of my childhood. And my mom was a stay-at-home mom who homeschooled us. And they loved me unconditionally. They encouraged me and invested in me. When I was eight years old, I was baptized by my dad, which seemed only right. Growing up, I had never had any doubts that God existed. Or that he loved me. This was a truth that I could hold on to when it seemed like everything else in my life was falling apart. But even though I knew that my parents loved me, they were busy, and often I felt very alone. There were long nights where I would cry myself to sleep because I wanted a friend. And at 11 years old, I started praying that I wouldn't have to live anymore. And that God would take me to be with him because life was too hard. But then whenever I was 13, my dad got a job at a missionary organization in Fort Myers, Florida. And we were moving 1,300 miles away from my old life. And I was hopeful that this move would change things. But it didn't. Not really. Andy was still picking on me. He would, he would bite me? Or pinch me? But now there was a new aspect where he would say insulting things about the way that I looked. Which isn't funny when you're an insecure teenage girl. And still, my siblings didn't want me around. Then came the day that I will never forget. It was another day of the same thing. Fighting with my siblings, feeling like I always got the short end of the stick. And just feeling unloved. I ran out of the house crying. I found myself on a swing thinking about how miserable my life was. How it seemed like nobody cared about me. That no one would notice if I was gone. And I cried out to God. I cried out and I told him that I was tired. I was too tired to keep living my life feeling the way that I had been. Asking, why me? Why does this have to be my life? And then, clear as day, it occurred to me, for the first time in my life, maybe it wasn't everyone else's fault that no one liked to be around me. Maybe it wasn't their fault that life was just the worst. Maybe, maybe it was me. Maybe I was the one at fault. Maybe I was the one who was being selfish. But the whole time, it was me who wasn't loving like I knew I should. I was the problem. And I thought about this for a while. And I began to think about the way that I had been acting and treating people. And there was clarity that I had never had before. My eyes were open to realize that I had become like Andy. I had become the tormentor to my younger siblings. The ways that Andy would pick on me, I had begun to pick on my little sister, Lydia. I would get into fights with her. I treated her horribly, and I hadn't even realized I was doing it. And I hated the person that I had become. So again, I prayed, telling God that I wanted to change, that I didn't want to be that way anymore. I wanted to be better, but I didn't know how. I needed help. And as soon as I asked for it, seemingly out of nowhere, a Bible verse popped into my head. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you love my enemies. I didn't call people my enemy, but I knew that the person I should be loving was Andy. I had never labeled him as my enemy before that, but I hated him. I hated him for all the times that he made fun of the way that I looked or talked or acted. I hated him for all the times when he overpowered me and there was nothing that I could do about it. I hated him for all the times when he made me feel like I was nothing. The times when he made me feel, made me wish that I didn't exist. To this day, I have never hated anyone more than I hated Andy then. And I knew that what God was asking of me was an impossible task. One that I couldn't accomplish on my own. And I told God that if he wanted me to love Andy, then he was going to have to show me how. I don't know if you know this, but prayer is powerful, but it doesn't always work out the way you want it to. Praying for love, it's kind of like praying for patience. You don't just wake up one day and suddenly you're a patient person. No. When you pray for patience, God provides you with opportunities to show patience. God doesn't just grant wishes, but if you ask him to change you, he'll provide the opportunities for you to change all this to say i did not suddenly love my brother and he wasn't suddenly nice to me moving forward i didn't even want to love my brother but i wanted to want to love him and i guess that was where i had to start after a year of being homeschooled by my mom in florida i decided that i wanted to go to public school for high school at this time the only other sibling going to public school was andy Who had been in public school for so long at this time because he didn't want to be homeschooled. I don't know what I thought high school was going to be like because I hadn't been to public school since fifth grade. So it wasn't anything like what I thought it would be. Before high school, I was pretty much as innocent as you can be. To put this into perspective, I thought the worst thing you could say was exclaim, Oh my God. And to this day, the worst thing I've ever heard either of my parents say is shut up. Which just shows, one, how incredible my parents are. And two, how much of a bubble I had been living in. So it can't, it'll come as no surprise when I tell you that freshman year was the biggest culture, culture shock of my life. I started freshman year at a kind of sketchy school. From the outside, it looked like a prison because of the giant fence around it, and the big chain and lock put on the gate after the bell first rang. But the look of it was nothing compared to the experience. I never realized that curse words were part of everyday conversations, not just between students, but also from teachers as well. Other students would brag about how they would go out and get wasted or sleep around. There was a couple of girls who would make out during my art class. Students would smoke who knows what in the bathrooms, and it seemed like all anyone wanted to do was gossip or talk trash about others. Going to that school made me feel dirty, and I remember crying to my dad after a few months, telling him that I felt like I was in a rated-R movie that I couldn't get out of. I didn't realize it right away, but this experience was the opportunity that God was providing me to love. It didn't take long to realize that my brother Andy wasn't like any of these people at school, even though he had been going to schools like this for years and years. While I had been living in my nice bubble, Andy had been living most of his days in this whole other world, a world that the entire rest of my family didn't understand. None of us knew what Andy interacted with on a daily basis had never brought home. He had never cussed at me or did drugs or anything like that. It was like my eyes were open to see Andy for the first time, to see that he was trying so hard to to live according to my parents' standards and expectations when he was exposed every day to the complete opposite. I started noticing for the first time how Aunt How Andy had a hard time getting along with not just me, but my parents and my other siblings as well. That really, he just wanted to be long and be loved as well. I found that I enjoyed the drive to and from school with Andy. It was a six-minute commute, but we would listen to music or have short conversations each day. And the hate for Andy that had once consumed me began to fade and in its place grew something like fondness. I began to notice that when he would bite my shoulder, he wasn't doing it maliciously. He was doing it playfully. I would laugh now, instead of becoming angry whenever he would sit on me to get, on, get a spot on the couch, because I realized that in his own way, this was how he showed affection. We could now joke together, and the things he would say that used to make me upset, were now funny because I got the joke. I understood where he was coming from and what his humor is like. The way he showed love was just more rough maybe than others. And I began to look up to him for all the ways he was succeeding and loving instead of hating him for all the ways he failed. But I think this is, this is how it is when you love someone. You love them in spite of the wrong they say and do. And to this day, Andy is one of my best friends and favorite human. This experience is foundational to who I am. It changed me from somebody who, who was angry all the time because I, I was the victim to someone who could proactively love. Yeah. Just to wrap all of this up, here are three things that I feel like the Lord has taught me through this experience. One, if God can change my heart from deepest loathing to overflowing love, then he can show me how to love anyone as long as I am willing. Two, each of us has our own unique story. It's not the same as your brothers or your sisters, even if you've gone through the same life obstacles. So I can't assume to know what someone is going through. I can only choose to love the people God places in my life. And three, God sees you. He sees when you cry out at night all alone. He sees you when you have a panic attack in the bathroom at school. He knows how you feel when thoughts of hopelessness and worthlessness creep in. He knows each and every hidden thought. He sees all of our brokenness and all of our scars, and he doesn't run away. He tells us to come as we are to him, and he will take care of the rest. Would you guys pray with me? God, we love you. you, you're moving every single day. I just ask that you would open our eyes to see it. As we go from this place, please turn our thoughts to you. That we would know that no matter what we're going through, You are there to catch us when we fall. You're so good, and we praise you, God. I just pray all of this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.